This is Transistor.fm. This podcast is brought to you by HoneyBadger.io. HoneyBadger is error monitoring for your web app. They have a podcast, FounderQuest. Stop what you're doing. Stop listening to this show. Go and subscribe to FounderQuest right now. They just started season two. And after you've done that, go check out HoneyBadger.io and start a free trial. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and uh, I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Man, I had I had a little bit of stage uh, fright there. I, I was like, oh, I, I need to have a witty quip, but I, yeah, I thought you were I thought you were about to throw one in. Apparently, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not so sharp. I was just telling you offline that I got woken up this morning at 5 a.m. because American Express called me, and I hope it was. I hope it wasn't an emergency. <laughs> Hello, American Express. This is an emergency. Uh, they got through because I had it on Do Not Disturb, but they called twice in a row. I want to know, folks out there, what emergency did American Express discover at 5 a.m. that required them to call me twice in a row? But they didn't leave a message. <laughs> and they didn't leave a message. Hmm. It's not looking so they good. Probably had, they probably had an emergency special deal. For emergency you. special deal. I do have an American Express card, which I've never used. Is American Express a big deal in the States? Because it always seems like the third-class citizen here. Yeah, for I think for a long time, a lot of places didn't support it for some... Because I think the fees are higher. Okay. For what fees the that merchant the fees. business pays. Yeah, yeah, transaction fees. Yeah, I'm looking at my email. There's no message from American Express to say, you know, mm. my card got stolen or something. Probably safe to ignore it. <sighs> but... The problem is 5 a.m. is the worst time to wake me up. Yeah. Because then it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Hey, what did we ship this week? We shipped our enhanced private podcast. Yes. Which most people won't notice because while it is live, it is not publicly accessible yet. Yeah, yeah. We. I actually heard Rob Walling talking about this on startups for the rest of us. Like, how do you... Um, you know, do you put features in beta? Do you have feature gating? And so our kind of pipeline is we have the local development machines. Then you set up a staging server. That's like a public web server that you and I can get into, right? Yep. And then once we feel like things are production ready, we deploy to production. But in this case, there's a feature flag, correct? Yeah. There's a feature flag, and we can set it on certain accounts. So only only um, the forty nine dollar and above levels can access it. But even then, we have to turn it on for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the main reason was because while we didn't have all of our marketing material done yet mm-hmm. to sign up, it's also still sort of limited in that it can only support up to a certain amount of private subscribers. Yeah. So it's not going to work for everyone, and I think we wanted to test it out. And you had you had uh, a test case that you tested out yesterday with the Mega Maker Club that you run, and then there's a few customers that have reached out that we want to 
offer it to and maybe they can test it out yeah if they you know have up to a certain amount of subscribers so yeah and this is actually a good uh rubric for figuring out how much how badly do people want something because yeah we've been kind of teasing that this is coming so when people email us I would email back. I have this auto reply that says, Hey, we're actually working on this feature right now. Here's a quick demo. I have a quick demo video. And would, is this something you think you would use? And they typically respond with questions, pricing, and other things. And then they'll say, Oh, definitely. When this is live, let me know. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to manually get back to them and let's see how bad they want it. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good. Seems like a good approach. And I, I think some folks miss this a little bit. They, If you go live too quick, there's and there's no threshold for people to have to cross over, uh, I think you miss some valuable learning time. Yeah, I think, I think there's still a lot we can learn from the potential customers about what they need. Yeah, exactly. And it may be, it may be a good fit. It may not at this point. I mean, there's still, I think, a lot. There's a lot of other features we want to add to this mm-hmm. uh, eventually, but I think we'll figure out what those should be by talking to the customers that might want it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, this is, uh, I think, also in past products and past features I've done that have not worked out, they have failed this test, which is if you make it hard to sign up or hard to access the feature or product, do people still do it? And even if you think about the way we launched Transistor, we had a landing page. That was the only way you could sign up. And it just said, mm-hmm. you know, a brief description of what it was and who we were. And when people joined that email list, we eventually invited them to a paid beta. Right. And once we had people willing to jump through all of those hoops and still become customers... I I was, I mean, I didn't know how it would turn out, but I, I had a better feeling of, okay, this is something that has momentum on its own, right? You don't have to like, right. you don't have to pull somebody over the void to get them. And I was, I was testing out uh, an idea uh, probably four or five months ago, just working on a little side project with my friend Dominic, which was... Uh, this idea of being able to capture user research. And we did the same thing. We had a landing page that described what it was, a little demo video, and a mailing list. But I could just tell, like, the responses I was getting to the emails, people were interested, but they weren't, like, really driven. Mm -hmm. Like Trello and Google Docs and their current ways of collecting customer research were already working for them. Right. But hopefully with this feature, um, and we won't know until we test this out, people are willing to really work, even work hard to get access to it. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I would love to have, you know, a handful of people using it, uh, using it a lot, using it every week or every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we did the test with Mega Maker Club. I there's a maximum of 500 private subscribers you can add, and I maxed yeah. it out. Uh, 
And we ran into uh, just a minor hiccup, I would say. We did, yeah. I Actually, I think, yeah, it was something I wasn't expecting, but maybe should have. So we, um, for our transactional emails, we use an email service. And rightly so, they don't want you to just send out hundreds of emails immediately at the same time. Mm. And when you uploaded the CSV of your subscribers, it emails them all basically at once when those accounts are created. Mm-hmm. So it was 500, 500 emails being sent through our email service. And we got an email saying our account was like suspended for, I forget, like an hour or something. Yeah, they thought we were a spammer. Which, yeah, because we were over the 100 emails per hour limit. Yeah, yeah. Which seems low, but we're also not on a paid account yet. So <laughs> I emailed them asking them if that limit is raised if you pay. Yeah. Because like we don't, we didn't need a paid account because we don't send a lot of emails. Yeah. Although we could be sending a lot more. With this with this feature, we could be. Yeah. So it, it was also like a little unclear on what happens when you reach that limit. Like your account is suspended, but there's also documentation on their website that says like messages go into a queue on their end. Okay. So it's like, I don't, I think all the emails were sent. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not positive and I don't know if while our account was like on hold or suspended, were other emails being sent? Like people needing a password reset. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm waiting to hear back from them, but yeah, that was a a minor hiccup. I, I mean, we didn't test it with 500 real emails on staging. So it's it's like kind of a little, honestly, (laughs) this is the kind of thing that I feel you can only really test in production. This is why feature gating is a good way to do it. Just turn it on one one account yeah. and um, and use it in a real use case. So Mega Maker is a private membership site for bootstrappers and has more than 500 members. This is perfect. This is a perfect testing ground. Mm-hmm. And the other cool thing is because Mega Maker has a Slack I was able to get all this real-time feedback from people trying to add the private yeah. podcast to their favorite podcast player. And then I think even more importantly, so and for them to go through all the onboarding. So we know at least with the kind of techie audience that is MegaMaker, uh, most of those folks were able to add it fine. There's a few hiccups with Pocket Casts that I think is on their end. But for them to experience the what makes a private podcast unique which was i delivered kind of this 16 minute just raw um you know it's just me talking into the microphone about my journey you know starting in i don't know starting way back when 2008 till now yeah and that's some that's stuff i probably wouldn't reveal just publicly but with this group, I was fine to record this thing and put it out there. And people kind of right away started to get it. One person said, uh, Pete Marcano said, I'll be honest, when I listened to the Build Your SaaS episode on this feature being launched, I didn't really think much of it. Listening to this episode connected the dots. This is awesomely game-changing. And then Bruno kind of concurred. He said, yeah, I thought that'd be a cool... He thought, yeah, that'd be a cool feature. However, I was only imagining the way I had seen it done until now. Getting the email was a pleasant surprise. 
most importantly, the way it was implemented was really nice. Well done. So cool. people are now able to actually experience what would this be like to get an, uh, you know, an internal podcast invite from your CEO to send uh, a private podcast update to all of your investors to have a private podcast that's just for family where you update each other on what's happening and get the kids to mm-hmm. talk into the microphone uh, to have a private podcast that used with a membership site to have, you know, to join a company and you get welcomed with this audio kind of sequence of here's how we do things at Acme Inc. Right. Yeah. It's, it was, yeah, it was great. You were posting the feedback and it was, yeah, it was awesome to awesome. See that. Does that, so you have a Slack channel for this. Does that, does the fact that the people were able to respond to it, did that make you want a way for them to respond in Transistor? I mean, that's a good question for the future. This is why we're going to need to get other people using it. I think, so the, the one thing I did is we also have forums. We have uh, a Discord discourse forum. Now, now that Discord is out, I always mix up those two. <laughs> discourse. Um, And in the show notes, I said, if you want to reply to this episode, go to this thread. And a bunch of people did. And I was also able to uh, embed the iframe in that thread with the the actual playable episode. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think that's going to be the best way to do it because I don't want another place where people talk. And I'm wondering for like, if you're, if I was a CEO of a, 100 person company and we already have slack i would be like yeah if you want to respond to this just go to this thread in slack and i would link to it that way um, yeah it's possible to integrate with slack I, I mean that yeah that would be another thing yeah you could you could have it automatically published there or i i think my guess is that most folks are going to have some sort of internal mechanism that's already in play and that'll be kind of more important i think the the more crucial bit that will be some form of single sign-on, which, which you did some investigation on. Uh, what what did you find, by the way, during that? Because you called a provider. What was the? Yeah. So we've we've had a couple of potential customers who have large. They're large companies and they have a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. And so they they were like, we would love a private podcast system but we need to use single sign-on with our current authentication provider whatever that may be it might be g suite or it might be active directory something like that Mm -hmm. and like the basics of this stuff makes sense to me but i've never really integrated with it it's it's a lot different than like let's say login with facebook okay um so i talked i sent an email to auth zero okay which is a um, authentication single sign-on provider, but they also offer, um, as a developer, they offer a way for you to have your system authenticate with another person's authentication system. And then if, let's say, an employee is already signed into G Suite for this company, they're already automatically signed in to Transistor. Okay. But that's not quite what we want. It's like we basically want a way for these large companies to almost like sync up their 
employee directory with us mm-hmm. so that we can it's like an integration where they would sign in they would give us access to their employee list with email addresses so that we could then on their behalf email them a link to the private podcast but then also as employees are added or removed from their company mm-hmm. they would they would be removed from transistor yeah but like after talking to auth zero it's like not apparent that that's how it works okay so it's still a little confusing so if anyone out there has really done integration with with sso uh, let us know but like we don't need we basically we don't need, we, yeah we just need a way of we don't need people to sign in to us yeah i mean it's possible they that that would be fine too but really what we need is a directory and some sort of like webhooks or callbacks when an employee is added or removed yeah i'm wondering if zapier zapier would, yeah, would be a better fit maybe. because I mean, one nice thing about integrating with Zapier is people already want us to have Zapier uh, triggers and stuff for other features. But this seems to make sense. You know, if new member is added to Slack, then add to Transistor. If member is removed from Slack, then remove from Transistor. Yeah, yeah, it's... um. It's a little bit duct tapey, but yeah. So I, I, I was hoping Authzero would be like a really simple solution. It's also expensive mm-hmm. for us, so we basically have to like relay the cost onto the customer, which would probably be fine for enterprise style accounts. But um, I, I can, I'll still have to follow up, I think, with them and ask them some more questions. It might, might still be an option. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see where it would be a nice feature for these large companies to not have to manage a list of people in multiple places. Yeah, it's almost like we want something else. We don't want the the auth. We want the contact sync. Right. And I know this is a problem that's been around forever. So I'm wondering, and I know some people solve it through Zapier, Zapier, um, but there's got to be other better ways of doing this. Like maybe... Um, uh, Clearbit does this. I wonder. No, but Clearbit's more like CRM. Yeah. Anyway, folks yeah. out there have any ideas? Let us know. You know who has to deal with contact management? Active Campaign. Thanks to Active Campaign for supporting this podcast. You know, a lot of folks want to be able to send email and do all this fancy marketing automation stuff, but they don't want to spend hundreds of dollars a month. You know, maybe they're just getting started. Like you and I, John, when we got started, what was our budget for email? Zero dollars. Zero dollars. <laughs> and now we're paying, you know, for this stuff. Well, with Active Campaign, you can get started, well, for free, because you get a free trial when you go to activecampaign.com slash build your SaaS. And here's the thing. Paid plans for all of these other providers usually start $39, I think. I just checked today, Active Campaign. You can start for as low as $15. And that includes the marketing automation stuff. So seems worth checking out activecampaign.com slash build your SaaS. With that URL, you get a second month free, a free migration, and two free one-on-ones where you can talk to a member of their team. They'll you can ask, you know, how do these marketing things work? How do these triggers work? How do I uh, migrate my 
existing automation flows. They'll help you with all that. Go check them out, activecampaign.com slash buildyoursass. Another great Chicago company there. Right? They're Chicago. Yeah, they are. Cool. All right. So um, where do we want to go next here? Let's talk about... Oh, let's actually this one's kind of spicy. Let's let's quickly address this cuz um what happened to spots.fm? <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day. Long-time listeners will remember that there was a time early in our development. I don't think we had even had we launched. I don't think we launched yet. And uh I had this idea in the middle of the night and I woke up the next morning all excited and burst into Slack and said, John, we got to build this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very excited about it. And the idea was, um, you know, we, we had beta customers at the time. And I thought I, I was having customer uh, conversations. I, I, I had flown to Edmonton and I had gone out for coffee with some of our customers there. And one of our customers, Karen, said, you know, business owners are saying if it was as easy to advertise on a podcast as advertising on Facebook, I would do it in a second. And that seems so compelling to me that the idea that people could easily book spots on shows. Uh, there was some some marketplaces like this already, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't like the way they'd been implemented. And it also felt like having Transistor would be a huge advantage for us. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> it, I, think, I think it was and still is a good idea, but I'm glad we didn't do both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if like you were kind of like hedging your bets and hoping that one of them would work mm, out. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because it was early on. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was early on when we weren't making any money at all. Yeah. M- maybe I was flailing a little bit. But um, but it's I don't think there's anything wrong with like giving up on an idea. Yeah. Yeah. At all. I just think it's fun to talk. We haven't talked about, you and I haven't really right. even addressed this. It, it, no. it just kind of got um, swept away. And uh, yeah, I, I think it would be, and actually I was just listening to Art of Product podcast and they were interviewing the founder from Todoist, I believe. And they, there's, they just started a new product called Twist. And he said, starting a second product, he said, I go, if I could go back and not start the second product, I would. Hmm. He says, it's just so hard. And the idea that you and I were going to do that as a two-person team is kind of crazy. Yeah, that would have been rough. Although I think Spots is a much simpler like technology build. I'll I'll talk about how my thinking's evolved a little bit and I think this will give folks an idea of how we are kind of implementing shaping or at least the way I think about it. Lately, I've had this idea that just built into Transistor that we if folks want to turn on an option for their show to become sponsorable. So you have a little mm-hmm. indie podcast and you just go into your show settings and it, you know, something like make this show sponsorable. That will then show up on their website and on their landing pages. Hey, you can sponsor this podcast. A business could then go in and 
click that button and they could sponsor multiple shows this way. But they would, uh, one, one kind of formulation of this is that they would basically take over that show's monthly subscription. So we would, right. we would, we would have to, in our back end, we would have to add, right now we have this idea of an account owner who's basically the billing contact. We would have to add this, a new uh, identity called sponsor. And the sponsor can say, I want to sponsor this show for a year. And so it just flips to that the sponsor's credit card and then they get charged for a year. And then after that, it just flips back to the... Uh, account holders credit card mm-hmm. and so that's just an idea it's not something i we're going to build but that's kind of uh that's that's an ev- evolved way of thinking about that yeah i think i think there's still bits and pieces we could take from the brainstorming for spots and put it into transistor yeah what, what do you think about that idea by the way is there is there some pretty big technical hurdles on implementing something like I don't that? I think there's any technical hurdles. I'm wondering if there's any finance like hurdles. I don't know if it would be, it would be better for the customer to still pay and then have the the sponsor pay them as far as like accounting goes. I don't. Mm. Yeah. Like for tax purposes, I don't really know. Well, I'm guessing that the my guess was that this was the least complex way of doing sponsorship. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, we have to provide some sort of flow through to the customer. There's ways of doing this in Stripe where you can um, you can basically facilitate a transaction to a third party. Mm-hmm. But the, yep. the 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 billing of that, like the way that's implemented, from what I've seen, at least I, I, I'm an advisor for Podia, and it seems that that's not always easy. And then there's just all these other problems. We they, we got to train customers how to connect to Stripe, how to, you know, the, the, it just seems like there's a lot more that can break. One thing I like about it is I I because I really like indie podcasts, and the biggest threat to an indie podcast is that you know just as a non-commercial thing that they can't afford to continue paying the monthly fee, but there are tons of businesses that would love to reach different audiences. And this could just be a great way for them to become a patron of the arts, a patron of, you know, this independent podcasting movement. And I wonder if it would help us reduce churn. Maybe. Because all of a sudden a business is like, what's, so let's say they sponsor, you know, five podcasts. And that costs them a hundred dollars a month. For them, that's like that's the. I mean, they could sponsor ten podcasts. That costs them two hundred dollars a month, right? Right. Yeah. That's 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 nothing for them, right? Right. And uh, and so th- they could do that in perpetuity and not even notice. Whereas twenty dollars a month for an indie podcaster, you know, that might be. Uh, a fair chunk of change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that could be something. Could be something. Put it in the ideas it's, bucket. It's, it's got to go to the betting table. Imme- 
immediately my mind goes to all of the edge cases that come up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what if the show stops? What if they don't want the sponsor anymore? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and this is a perfect <laughs> example of a feature that I think if it's fighting for its place, it would really need to fight hard because it is, uh, it is definitely outside of the core feature set that people are signing yeah. up for. And it might become a competitive advantage in the sense that, you know, this is something that people want and causes them to stick around. Yeah, it's, it is, it's not, it's not a core feature set. And the more of those kind of features that we add, the more difficult and complex the app becomes. Right. Anyway, I just thought people would want to know. I I think if you go to spots.fm, it just forwards down. I think so. Yeah. Uh, So spots.fm, rest in peace. (laughs) <laughs> until we revive you in some until form. we revive you um but i it's really nice having this shape up language from Basecamp in terms of how we think about ideas now i think you know going back to that moment in time your response would have been okay justin let's just bring this to the betting table right and this idea has to compete against all the other ideas yeah, and it may not win. And it might not win. It might it might it might come, you know, show up round after round and never win. And just get beaten it just to get... a bloody a bloody pulp. <laughs> wow, this really took a dark turn. <laughs> hey, quick question for you. Now that we're done that first cycle, our first shape up cycle, six weeks, we're in technically a cool down period. How do you how do you feel about it? Well, it feels like I'm taking a deep breath, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I think we were supposed to end. We finished, we did finish on Tuesday of Tuesday. The yeah. What day was that? The 15th? Technically, 15th. We, de- we deployed it to production on Wednesday. Yeah. You know, the idea was, so we finish it and then we go into this cool down cycle where we're doing other small like we're not really working on another feature necessarily. We're not even really shaping a feature. We're sort of thinking about things, but also fixing other bugs or mm-hmm. finishing like little one day or half a day things. Yeah. Although we we are going to have to shape something during this two weeks, aren't we? So that we have something to work on in the next big cycle. I guess that's up to us, right? If we want to take this period as a cool down or do other things mm. and then the shape the shaping is another this is like the next week mm-hmm. and then we start after a cycle. this yeah and then we start a cycle so you i mean part of me did 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 feel like you that oh man it's kind of nice to have a a breath you know yeah yeah because you asked you asked me do you feel like we're flailing yeah but i don't i mean i guess in some respects like you yeah i I kind of wanted to just jump into something else and and fix some stuff, but it was nice to kind of take a break and like look at our list of little things that we want to do and mm-hmm. choose a couple which we haven't really done yet. But there's there's a number of of uh, little things we can work on that would improve. Yeah, you know, it would it would reduce I don't know customer support on our end or make you know one or two things easier for customers. Yeah. I mean, one thing we could try to do is try to launch this marketing site. Right. That would that would be, although that might be too big once we get into it. But 
Yeah, it, it, I think I think this is the idea behind the cooldown is that you're just kind of like it feels like a weekend where you're just poking around the house, doing a few projects here and there. Yeah. Um, incidentally, we've had a ton of customer support lately, and uh, which again, if you go back, I I think is a good sign because more customer support generally means more revenue. But. Um, it it has felt like wow we're we're answering a lot of questions right now, and uh, that's taking up a fair chunk of our time. I think it is bringing up these issues that can be worked on in the cooldown. Mm-hmm. Like we've had a number of in the last week, even customers who are like, "Hey, I have a podcast under my account. We need to switch them to this other account. Mm-hmm. How do we do that?" And we have to do it behind the scenes for them. Mm-hmm. We do have a story in Clubhouse for this, mm. like allow allow a podcast to be switched to another account, yeah, without us having to help, yeah. Um, so, like that might take a couple of days to work on, but it would save us a bunch of time down the road because it's not going to be the last time it's going to happen. Yeah, and it's a it's a totally awesome, um, like it's a totally awesome feature because it means people are staying within Transistor, yeah. right? Right. But it feels good to finish it. Yeah. Um, you know, it it feels good to finish it, but <laughs> like I normally do, it's like feels good, but then I start thinking about all the things we haven't done for it yet. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a lot left and they're kind of big. Yeah. Like what but, what's big that we still need to to Oh, uh, I think I think mostly it's like how do we handle these larger customers? These enterprise like billings? Private pot, enterprise or like we've had a number of questions about security mm-hmm. of this feature and like how do you prevent, you know, information or audio from getting out? Yeah. Which we don't really have a great answer for because it's not, it's not exactly like locked down that tightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, billing for larger customers, like we don't have... We don't have customizable enterprise plans at the moment. Stuff like that. Like, how do we uh, how do we support these larger customers? If you know, if we actually want to, mm-hmm. it's possible. Like, I think we've talked about in the past with larger clients like that, it might be more work than it's worth. Yeah, I, and I think we'll get a feel for that once we. I mean, yeah. Right now, my my take is we don't overpromise you know what level of security not security but privacy basically what level of privacy do you really get with a private podcast and what i keep telling folks because i just don't want to go down that path of saying yeah this is totally secure you don't have anything to worry about i'm like even if it was encrypted so let's say you can encrypt audio which is technically possible if you send me an encrypted audio message on iMessage and i listen to it there's nothing stopping me from using a screen recorder or even right. a, a third-party external microphone and recording that and then releasing that. Right. And so, so yeah, I mean, we yeah. some of these customers are stressing me out going, this is so secure, like we can't, this can never get out. Confidential information. We're like, I, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. I'm like, don't, don't publish it on the internet then. Like, don't, don't even... D- don't put it in Slack. Don't put it in anything. Right. Like, have, have they not read the news? Did they not see how like memos from the White House and Amazon and everything <laughs> get out? Like, <laughs> that's how it happens. 
Right. So I, I, yeah, we'll see how, how those discussions go. We had a, a, a topic to talk about budgeting, but let's move that, I think, uh, okay. to next week. Folks, if you really want to hear us talk about budgeting, <laughs> let us know on Twitter. <laughs> uh, basically, we're trying to think about how we should spend our money. We should build. We should start a new podcast called "Budgeting Your Sass." Budgeting your sass. <laughs> it's just like us going through like. <laughs> It'd be us. Like we'd have a bunch of like calculator noises. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you? Are you? Sound effects. You're thinking about the post production. I like this. I like this. Uh, um, probably would not be very exciting. No, no, no. It, people might listen though. That I mean, that it would probably actually be way more actionable than uh, a lot of the stuff we talk about. Uh, but maybe to end, just because we kind of touched on this, this idea of pushing back on customers, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. And uh, recently, and I'm not sure if you've seen this tactic before, but um, a, an app will say, hey, here's a, a, a templated email you can send to you know, your provider to ask them to integrate with us. And so, did you notice a bunch of these piling up in our? Yes, our I did. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about it, and then you brought it up first. <laughs> so basically, all of a sudden, like within minutes, five, six, maybe, I yeah, probably five or six of these emails came in, all with the same request for us to integrate with this third party. And so I kind of instantly saw, okay, so they just you know sent out an email or gave people an easy way to email their their provider. And I think there's always this this tricky dance you do when somebody requests a feature. And I think part of it is tricky because you you really often we we err on the side of being polite and maybe wanting to bend over backwards to serve a customer or get a sale, right? Mm-hmm. Although yeah, you have less of this inclination than I do, so, so sometimes sometimes you in Slack you're like you're like you, you tell me what you really think I should we should reply. Well, yeah, I also sometimes do that in our customer support software, and I shouldn't because it's easy to, as I realized yesterday, which I didn't say anything bad, fortunately. Yeah, but there's a way there's a way in our software to like add a note oh, that yeah. only you can see. Yeah. And it's easy to not click that and then send it to the actual thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a bad <laughs> uh, UI pattern in Club yeah. uh, in uh, Kayako. They need to. Change I should that. really. I should really not use that yeah. for that reason. We almost. We almost. Maybe we should stop using it and just you go back to Slack or something because it it is dangerous because we can like app message each other when customers are. So with this particular feature, I just. Uh, wrote them an email, and I recorded a video saying, okay, I use this product that you guys are talking about as well. I can't tell how us doing an integration would make the process any faster than it is now. And I recorded them a video showing them how. And, I mean, I was a little bit nervous because I'm like, I don't want to seem like a dick right now that I'm pushing back. But... uh. I sent it to all these folks that have requested it, and already three have emailed back. And they've said, oh, I didn't really investigate this. They just you know, made an easy tool for us to suggest integration with a pop-up and their UI flow. And 
From what you shared, it doesn't seem worth the integration effort on your part. It feels a little scammy, but I get it. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, it's a it's a service that wants to expand, and they they want to integrate with other podcast platforms. Yeah, to do that, and that's their way of expanding. So I I understand that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it is a little actually. I didn't even think about the dark side of this, but sending a a, a potential partner a bunch of support requests in a day is not super fun. Um, but <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but now I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's not like a great way to, uh, cause they've also reached out to us personally and asked to integrate and yeah, I, I should send them this same video because I just don't see how it's any better, but I think it was a good reminder that you can push back on customers or yeah. potential customers. So when they say, Hey, I really want this thing. I try if I can to take the time to record a video really go through and say, how I, you know, how will this be better? Or what are you thinking about here? Can you paint the picture of what you're trying to do? Because invariably, it seems to reveal one of two things. One, they haven't really thought this through. And they're, they're actually um, not that serious. They're just, they're just exploring in their own world what they're doing. Um, and then I can't remember what the second thing is. Uh, you know, maybe just that the there's a better way that exists already. So they want to do something, but there's actually a better way to do what they want to do. And it's worth pushing back and going, okay, well, let's just, before we go too far here, let's really explore what you're trying to do. What are you trying to accomplish? And go from there. Sweet, man. Why don't you say thanks to our Patreons? All right. Thank you to all of our patrons, Patreons. I think it's patrons. Our our Patreon patron, patrons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have James Sowers from userinput.io, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley from nicethings.io, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassy, Pradyumna Schimbecker, Noah Prail, David Colgan, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray from Alitu.com, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Brian Ray, Miguel Pedrafita, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Corey Haynes, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, uh, my brother Dan Buda. DanBuda.com. Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. And our sponsors this week, Active Campaign and Honey Badger. Thanks, everyone. Dave Junta uh, messaged me and said, hey, I wonder if this Junta thing is getting out of control. You know, it, it, it's so much attention on me. He says, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not paying you guys enough on Patreon to get this much attention. Like he can't even walk down the street anymore without getting noticed. <laughs> and I said, Dave, this has nothing to do with you. Your name, this is this is this has gone far beyond you now. It's, it's, <laughs> this is too big to fail. This is too it, he could he could cancel his Patreon support and we would still say Junta every single episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, See you folks.
Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.